Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Sorry You're In My Seat, a weekly podcast that unites two best friends on a quest to find the greatest movies of all time. I'm your host, Aaron, and each week I have the pleasure of talking movies and films with my best buddy, James. Hello there. And this is episode 156 of this quest. A quest to find the greatest of movies. <laughs> if we find them, we put them in our vault, the Sorry You're In My Seat vault, the safe haven for the greatest of all time. However, if we come across any terrible movies, we put them in a place we call The Pit. Very simple. I like this. This is very formal. It's like, this is what we do. This is what we do. Although most weeks we will forget to do one or the other. Yeah. <laughs> As is the way of things. Um, it's cracking wink, you know. Do you know what I'm doing this week? I want a bit of a Tom Hiddleston binge. Ooh. I don't know. You know, have you ever seen High Rise? It's on Amazon. And I haven't seen it since I went to the cinema. And I remember seeing this and we going, I don't know what this is about. I just saw, I was just hovering on that a minute oh. ago, just before you come around. It was very good. Yeah. The, so this is on the back when you were talking about Loki. I finished Loki. I feel like Tom, Hold- Tom Hiddleston is on fire. And do you know what? And now watching The Night Manager as well on Amazon. Well, that is cracking. That is cracking. I forget. Hugh Laurie's in that as well. He's such a great bad guy. Mm. He's so great. He's seen the best of British. And then you've even got Tom Hollander on there as well. Tom Hollander is, is, oh. is particularly brilliant in that it's, show. It's all magnifique. It's just fantastic. So great. I'm, I'm, I'm a Tom Hiddleston high. Hiddleston. It's, it's a good thing you said that because I actually watched Crimson Peak the other day. Oh, mate. Off the back of Loki as well. It's like one of them, oh, I haven't seen... Uh, this one, I like Tom Hiddleston. Um, it's directed by uh, Del Toro. I was like, this is this straight, be great, right? Straight there, right? It, it's, it's not good. No, no. <laughs> I wish it was better. Oh, too many too many cooks, mate. Spoiling yeah, that cake. Yeah, well, that wasn't great. But he, he was great in it. He is a consistent factor. Yeah. Um, that sounds like a good week. I'm still on Handmaid's Tale. Still. Season still, two now. Still getting depressed, are you? It's bleak, man. Is it worse? It's entertaining <laughs> and it is, it's fully well acted. But it's bleak. Uh, is it that sort of bleak, though, that makes you think it's got to be leading somewhere good? Like, like it can't be this bleak. At some point, someone's going to like make a cake or something. Something, yeah. something good's got to happen eventually. Yeah, I mean, yeah it's gripping. <laughs> it's gripping and it's entertaining and it is it is somewhat binge-worthy. I mean, fucking after a couple, though, to be fair, yeah, you do want to turn it off and watch something a bit. I'm just hoping like I slip on the remote and like one of Primrose's kids' TV programs pops on. <laughs> Although actually earlier, earlier I put on the telly for her to, um, one of the best things about being a dad is like when she's watching her, like when we put the things on, sometimes I put on things that I actually want to watch. Like Adventure Time, mate, mate. is awesome. What's his basic premise? Set it up. It's, it's a dog and a, and a, and a lad going so on adventures. So I'm like, I'm all over this show. But she leant on the remote earlier and um, <laughs> flipped over onto the movie channel. And I shit you not, there was, uh, there was a discussion in a bar between on screen Steven Seagal and Vinnie Jones. And I was like, how do I, how do I not know what this movie is? <laughs> Watch it, Talent 10, right? And not even Prim's, good, like... Prim's first movie. <laughs> fucking all over that, mate. Not even like Steven Seagal that you can justify, like 80s Seagal, oh, like now Steven Seagal. It was, it was fat, bloaty, goatee, yeah. goatee. Why? Why? Bad guy goatee? from GTA looking... Oh. Yeah, terrible. Um, yeah, solid week. And this week, thank you for downloading. Um, we're, we're, we're taking a trip through the Amazon. Ooh. Like that, yeah, Ooh. not not like Emily Blunt and uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson at the moment. No. no, I mean on our streaming services because there's three kind of big movies that are released on Amazon that we're going to kind of look through. So that is Jolt, Shadow in the Cloud, and Guns Akimbo. Yeah, it is. And we've also been in the cinema to watch the Suicide Squad. So I think we're going to do it in that order. So we'll save the Suicide Squad to the end because Build not mate. Yeah, and if we do accidentally let a few spoilers slip or anything like that, it gives you fair warning. As is the way. As is the way. Um, but the other ones, we will try and not spoil it, but we will be going into detail. Jolt, Shadow in the Cloud, Guns Akimbo, The Suicide Squad. So if you haven't seen any of the movies, um, it's always best to go and watch them first, but we will try and talk around them, not go through them, if that makes sense. It does make sense. Cool. Yeah. 
Just, you know, you're talking about kids' programs just quickly. Mm. They're going to stop making Arthur. I heard about this. We posted it. We posted it, mate. Backlash. Backlash. People are not happy. Bring not Hashtag not my Arthur. What a wonderful time of day. Hey. Where we can learn to work and play. Yeah. And get along with each other. What I'm just trying to say is Arthur's full of morals, mate. Mm. He didn't always like DW, but he was always there for DW. Yeah. You know, I'd never really understood the bully because, you know, one minute he's a bully and the next minute they're best friends. I, I don't really get it. And do you remember when his best friend just disappeared for a few series and he longed for his friend? And there was, there was some heartbreaking writing in Arthur, mate. I, do you know what? I'm, it got to me on different levels. I thoroughly enjoyed Arthur. I, I, what was he? I want to say, an, an, no, he wasn't an aardvark because I just, I did. I don't know what I, he I is. This, I, I had this argument the other day because <laughs> I thought Auntie you wrote first, but then it didn't work. Yeah. Do you want to know also something else that's happened this week? Mm. And this is where the listeners need to get involved. So I, I, I've got a new friend and their, uh, their movie history, mate, is not good. I'm not joking. I went, for the first time we hung out, we watched the film Holes. You know, the old uh, Disney one? Yeah, yeah. That was the hype, mate, of that DVD collection. I'm talking there are some bad movies in there. So I thought, little project, I would introduce her slowly to some better movies. And I thought, a great gateway movie in Bruges. That is a good one. That's a good one. Get the appetite going. So mm. I was listening. I don't want to go straight, you know, if you're new to the world, you can't go straight to Godfather and Godfather Part 2. No. You've got to dip your toes. So listeners, what would you, if you were, if you had someone new to the world, you're trying to introduce them to the very best that films have to offer. Can't go straight for the goldies because you've got to get there. How naive are they in film? They're, 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 they're an open book. They're, they're wanting, mate. They're ready. Are they like Jurassic Park? Yeah, they've seen Jurassic Park, okay. but they don't know who John Candy is. They've never seen Uncle Book. And so yeah, so there's big, big yeah. opportunity so, there. Yeah, so the late 90s, kind of, that's, that's their childhood era, I'd imagine. So a lot to go with. Bruges is a good one, and Bruges is good. I, I figured, I figured it is. It's, it's always fun to go back and rewatch that film. Although the only downside is her references are now about 10 years out of kilt. Because like, you're an inanimate hugging object. I'm like, ooh, that was popular about 15 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> it, what, what genre is she into? All of them. She's, she's willing to give them all a go, mate. And that's what I mean. We've mm. got a blank slate. So I think the audience members now should, listeners, get involved. What would you introduce to this person? And then I was thinking, after we've watched him, she could give like a review and I'll read it out. I'll tell you what she could do as well. If she wants to really clue up on film, she could probably download a podcast that oh, covers yeah. like loads of different films Sounds and really good. goes into great detail. Yeah. And after she's enjoyed that, maybe listen to us for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to be fair. <laughs> see, see, see one done well, <laughs> then whatever this is. <laughs> This little space of the internet. Um, no, but I do enjoy our little show, James. So do I. It's, it's ours and it's yours, listeners. Always thank you for the great continued support. Don't forget to share, like, and subscribe. We'll do that later. That sounds it. Now, let's go in then. Let's go balls deep into movies. So uh, there's Jolt that's come out on Amazon Prime at the moment, starring Kate Beckinsale. We're going to start there. It's an action thriller. Uh, as I say, Kate Beckinsale, Jai Courtney, Stanley Tucci. So on paper... It's great to see Stanley Tucci again. It's yeah. been a while. So on paper, so far, on paper, clicking, mate. But on paper, pretty good. And Jack Courtney. Yeah, uh, got them all. <laughs> Everyone's got death now. Everyone's got Jack Courtney. <laughs> <laughs> I like, no, right, hold on. I do like Jack Courtney, but when you think, you like, straight away, unfortunately, you think of things like, you know, Terminator Genesis, you yep. think of like uh, Suicide Squad, not the new one. The, the Die Hard. The Die Hard movie. The Die Hard yeah. one that no one talks about. So unfortunately, like, I'm certainly a great guy, funny guy, a good actor, but unfortunately he's tainted somewhat with some of the movies <laughs> that come straight to mind. <laughs> he's proper tainted. <laughs> and in comes Joel, uh, directed by Tanya Wexley, <coughs> who I think this is a relatively, I wouldn't say first movie, but certainly- uh, a second. Yeah. I think IMDb certainly is a kind of up and coming director. And this is 
you, it's a film. It, it's a film. <laughs> I mean, if you can define film as moving pictures, it's definitely a film. So uh, Kate Beckinsale plays Lindy, who since childhood has had an uncon- uncontrollable rage and anger problem due to extremely high levels of cortisol. We've all been there, James. Mate, we have. Kate keeps her, um, Kate, Lindy, (laughs) keeps her homicidal uh, urges at bay by using an electric shock vest. She jolts herself Mm. whenever she feels one of these urges to slam a waiter's head into the table or um, kick the living daylights out of someone who spits on the pavement. You know, whenever she has one of these uncontrollable urges of anger and fits of rage, she uses this trigger to give herself a little shock. Well, no, I say little, it's quite it's, significant. It's quite significant. It's, it's, it's just like a really expensive way. It's like the Apple version of just, you know, getting an elastic band, putting it around your wrist and twanging it. Exactly. <laughs> just, just cost a couple of hundred extra billion pounds. So unable to hold down a job or lead any kind of normal life, um, things start to look up when she meets Justin, played by Jai Courtney, and the two seem to hit it off um, on kind of on a, on a way to her. So she kind of writes off this relationship. She's like, oh, I'm not interested. But actually, surprisingly oh. to everyone, they do actually hit it off and they start having a great time until Jai Courtney is found dead. What? Now, then that leads uh, Lindy, Kate Beckinsale's character, on a uh, vendetta path to find out who killed Justin and take down anyone in her path. She is unjolted by this point. Mate, I like it. Does that sum it up? Yeah, it does. I mean, when I was taking a piss when I was writing mine up, I used, <laughs> I ended it with I ended with it's time for a jolt of justice. <laughs> just because that's who I am yes. deep down. Do you know what? What you've got here is you've got Kate Beckinsale returning to the small screen. <laughs> but I love Kate Beckinsale. She hasn't missed a beat. She's okay. Yeah, I do like Underworld and a yeah. lot of Kate Beckinsale. I, I say that, I mean, because it is the most obvious to go to. That's her yeah. franchise. That's the big. That's the one that she's well known for. Yeah. Although you're all missing a beat if you've not seen the delightful film Serendipity. Off that mic, it's up there while you were sleeping. Anyway, she didn't skip the beat. She's brilliant. She's in fantastic shape. She's giving it her all. She's somewhat charming sometimes. And mate, it's great to see the Tooch. It's great to see. I can't actually remember that. I think the last time I saw him might have been in Transformers film. Tooch. That's never a good thing. Stanley Tucci is is one of he's God's gift, he is really. God's gift. To, to men, women, children, everyone. Everyone loves a bit of the Tooch. Um but. Okay, so this movie, I, I did, I'm gonna admit I did struggle with this film. I did struggle with this film. I think I might have fallen asleep as well. Ooh, Carlson. No, it, if on the movies part. It was a busy weekend. Well, I'm just thinking as well, it's an action pack. So if you fell asleep as well. Yeah, I didn't I didn't really connect with this one. I think in terms of, you know, the the vendetta, vigilante, revenge, hyper violent, sweary, 90 minute nuts and bolts, you know, thriller goes. It starts with this quite original idea of a character. Um, yeah. and kind of gives you the backstory. I mean, it spoon feeds you the backstory like during the credits. That's fine. So we, you know, in a 90 minute runtime, we're straight in, you know, as the credits roll, we know everything we need to know about this character, why she's got this anger problem, you know, why she's got a particular set of skills because she's tried the military, she's tried X, Y, and Z. And okay, so that sets up her as a character. I thought that was quite a good job as well to explain why she's like, just because she's violent, she's not necessarily good at fighting. However, it does do a good job of showing that she's tried to release her anger in productive ways, hence the army she shoots. So she's got skills. Yeah. I thought that was pretty, pretty well done. That So that's all cool. But then unfortunately for me, I found that the, the, the storyline, the, yeah, the, the, the originality ended there. And then it did become the, what, what I found I really lacked to this film. What I found really difficult is it there's there's no mythology to it. So yeah. um, so whereas you might look at a movie and it, you should really compare. I, I know, but if you look at a movie like Taken, 
you know, where it's kind of a clue leads to the next scene to the next scene. It has a kind of a mythology to how we get towards the end. This is very much just like she walks in a room, yeah. you know, next scene, she's in a car, next scene, she walks in the next room. And it's very like, how do we get to all these places and do all these things? And never really kind of undergo the legwork that this film needed for her to track down who the killer is. I genuinely think as well is that it, it never does enough. It doesn't have good payoffs. So even if it leaves you asking a question like, um, do you know what I thought was pretty good in this film? Uh, Laverne Cox and Bobby Cannavaro. Oh, they were Cox. terrible. Oh, I, the only reason I liked them was because, now I thought they were okay. They're passable. I know you didn't like them, but the reason was I was more interested in what was going on with them. You know, I was like, oh, I can't wait to follow the cops around for a bit. But like, there's no storyline there. Like it, it's, it's hinted that there might be a romantic relationship there, but there's not. And then it's Laverne Cox is a, a bad cop, but also a good cop. So she's like by the book and he's like, no, I'll well, give you the benefit the, of the doubt. She's by the book, but then she, she, you know, breaks the laws. The first, the, she breaks the rules of being a cop like the second time you meet her. But what I mean is I was more interested in their storyline as a, because I was, I was done with like the superhero powered, Oh, she doesn't actually have superpowers. She's just got a lot of cortisol. It's like, yeah, that's a jolt to the system. Yeah. I was just like, I was just, it was, no, I did. I, I found my favorite scenes do she was in. Yeah. You know, you've got, um, is it Doug Bradley, Dave Bradley shows up. At, shows, David Bradley. Yeah. David, and I like David Bradley. David Bradley does though. He's like, how menacing do you want me to be? Yeah. You know, do you want me to be Game of Thrones menacing? Do you want me to kill everyone at the Red Wedding menacing? And that's what is there. So how do they make him evil? They suspend him from the ceiling? Yeah. Was, there's just weird character choices. The storyline doesn't go anywhere and there's never a payoff. Every time you think you've gone somewhere, no, reverse, turn around, nah. Touch I, I, think, I, thought, I thought all the characters were really poorly written. I think, okay, Kate Beckinsale's character as Lindy is, is original and okay. The two cops in it, as you've already said, Bobby Cannavale and uh, Laverne Cox, I get it, chalk and cheese, buddy cop, whatever they want to be, but just so unrealistic. They wouldn't be like that. No. They're making jokes at crime scenes. One is open firing on people before they actually know who they're shooting at. That's, that's what I mean. And that's the one that's by the book. There's <laughs> loads of just random rubbish in there that of them two characters that just doesn't make sense. Stanley Tucci, I mean, he probably was there a day, day and a half doing yeah, his scenes. You know, so he, Tell you what though, he's pulling off a granddad shirt and a vest. Oh, he yeah. looked good. You know, there's like a hacker scene, you know, with a 15 year old like hacker and it's like, it's too easy to get to where we are and where we're going in 90 minutes. There's a bit of a spin towards the end, a bit of a twist, which is all right, but then it's ultimately let down by the, the motive. You're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Oh. And the acting. <laughs> yeah. And the acting, because that actor gets some cheese out, mate, and some ham. So I really, yeah, I really, I really, really struggle with that bit as well. I, and, and, I, and if anyone's seen it, I'm just going to give you a hint now where I really, really lost in this movie, the baby throwing scene. I'm oh not going to go into it, that but was so that bad. was really weird. You know what? I was so bad, I actually forgot about it. You know when your brain erases horrific events? Yeah. I forgot that happened. Do you know what, mate? I'm changing my mind. Yeah. They're... Right, okay. But the acting was, in parts, okay. Yeah, Kate Beckerselle is great. She's a tour de force. And and this scent is... I, 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 you know, I think I think there's always a place for kind of femme fatale vigilante films. They, you know, half, you know, majority of the time they really rock. And, you know, quite often... of late you know i think some of the films you know are along these same storylines where they've got like these kind of kick-ass soundtracks and um you know really well choreographed fight scenes this film does have those moments and yeah kate beckinsale is great i like how she kind of dials up her like she is actually british yeah so like she's really putting that accent on a bit more you know than, yeah, than, than needs to be and, and i quite like that it's quite original but it, i just i just think that she He's in a different film to everyone else and a different league to everyone else that was in this movie. Yeah, that's probably true. The, the action isn't as quite as over the top as it wants to be as well. 
I think the action, I thought what they were making was going to be, oh, this would be like, this would be like this. Mm. And however, there's another film that we'll talk about later, which which kind of nails what it was going for a lot better than this film does. It's kind of a quandary where it kind of wants to be John Wick, but then also over the top cartoonish. It wants you to watch the action scenes with a smile. Yeah. Which you don't, because I didn't think they were very good. No, and the, the characters don't really, they don't talk like normal people would talk. Like her, Lindy's character is quite sharp and witty, and you know you get the idea that her mind's working like a million miles an hour as well as like a fist, but a lot of the jokes, a lot of the wit doesn't pull off. So actually then you start kind of disconnecting to her as the lead. And so there, yeah, I think I did, I did have an issue with it. I think Kay Beckerdale does the best that she can, but ultimately it's let down by quite a poor script. It's the, and I come out there with one question. Stanley Tucci is the therapist. So she goes to see him like three times during the movie. He works out of a shit. Hole. It's like, why would the place is falling apart? Why, why is that normal? Mm. Anyway, it's got the Tucci in it. There you go. Yeah, I think if John Wick set the I put here, if John Wick set the bar, Man of Man of Fire is like the god tier. Yeah. And this was like, let's go for crank. <laughs> let's let's let's, let's just that. aim for crank. Let's just do something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was Joel, so you're not a fan. I, I wasn't a fan, unfortunately. No. And I really, really did want to like it. When I saw that 90 minute like kind of tag, I was like, oh yeah, 90 minutes. When you got a kid, mate, 90 minutes is like God tier. God tier. <laughs> yeah. Mate. I don't know. Yeah. No, you've nothing left to say. Jolt. Is there a joke that I can make there but I'm not watching it? Jolt it from... No, I've got nothing. Should we, should we go on to Shadow in the Cloud? So we started low. Are we going higher or lower now? I'm doing these in, 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 in ascending order to what I thought, I, to what I enjoyed oh, okay. and what I got out of the movie. So I found Shadow in the Cloud from 2020, uh, which is, again, it's just come out on Amazon Prime, which is... 83 minutes, James. Mate, it's 83 minutes, but I don't know if you noticed this, the film was over after 110. It's the credits. They stretched the credits <laughs> out for a lot of the runtime. The, the film's barely an hour 15. Yeah, it's uh, directed by Roseanne Liang and stars Chloe Grace Moretz. Moretz? Moretz. Moretz. I really like her. I think she's great. I think she's great. So she's also at that weird age of a child actor where she's done a childhood then to kick ass. And then that vampire movie that she apparently was very good in, which I haven't seen. Which um, one's that? Knock, knock on the door, knock the door, open the door. Something to do Let with the right one in. That that one. All right. The American version. Yeah. I believe she's in that. She was very good apparently in that. And then there's that weird age where you're kind of too old to be a child actor, but you're too young to be an actual actor. So I'm Michael Cera. <laughs> Basically, yeah. <laughs> you're in the you're in the Michael Cera paradox. However, you know, give her a give her a film. Give her something. Or give her a lot. Yeah, I, I, I think she's great. I think she carries the most of the films she was in. What was that film she was in? We did it not long ago. Uh, oh, wow. Greta. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and again, again, one of the movies where I kind of, after it was like, yeah, it was okay. She was great, she it, was but great. it was okay, you know. Um, I'm, I'm quite the fan, actually. In this, she plays Maud, who's a World War II pilot, seeking safe passage aboard a B-17 uh, whilst transporting a classified package. So the crew of the B-17 immediately becomes suspicious of Maud, questioning the uh, authenticity of her documents and her papers that have given her access to this plane um, and her motives for being on board. To make matters worse, they're being stalked and under attack from Japanese uh, fighter uh, planes, jets. I don't know. I'm not into airplanes. Bad guys. Bad guys. Bad Japanese guys. bad guys. Japanese bad guys. And to make matters even more worse, James... There's a rodent-like creature on the wing of the plane. Wow, what a shocker. So this is part like ghost story, part 
Um, it's a famous William Shatner Twilight, Twilight Zone, Zone yeah. yeah episode. It's it's also part action drama, part what the fuck is going on? It, it's <laughs> it's a lot of stuff going on in this movie, mate. It's, this this is, this is a question I had. Right, bearing in mind this film, I'm not joking. It's barely one ten. What's in the package? Who is Maud? Where are the Japanese? What is the creature? Who will survive? How much more can you fit in this film that barely goes over one hour? It was just like there's so much. There's so much. And what's really weird is a lot of the film. It's just focused on Chloe in a, in a, in a small segment of the plane. Mm. So much stuff happens. So much. There's, there's a part of me that thinks this film is a lot deeper than I think it is. Because so so this so if you really again spoilers if you haven't seen this film you might want to go watch it before it's 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 a it, even though it's a World War Two kind of action thriller drama it is stylized and feel you know it do, it doesn't feel like an authentic. Um, like World War Two, you know, it feels very much like they've made the movie in 2020. You know, it's got a real good <laughs> lick of paint on the it's whole like thing. they've not tried at all. <laughs> but it, so it, it starts real ghost story-esque, you know, of her on a runway, it's very foggy and a plane just appears in the fog in a very yeah. kind of cool um, camera kind of sequence where I was like, it's almost like a ghost pl- plane kind of thing. And I'm like, all right, this kind of question it. And as you were saying there, you know, it's no spoiler. It's probably, I'm saying it's in the trailer. The first 20 minutes of the movie of a very short runtime is just a single camera on her in the, uh, the, the gun part, the, of the belly of the ship. Yeah. Yeah. So she's locked away in the, in, in the, in the, in the belly of the ship and it's just a camera on her. And, and there's this trick or, or this thing in film where if someone is talking on the other end of a phone, for example, the audience member is always supposed to question whether or not that person is real because you don't get to see them holding the receiver to their ear or the radio. If you're just hearing the voice, you always have to question. It's a good like trick in movies, particularly in psychological thrillers, where actually is they, are they talking to someone or is that an inner narrative that you're supposed to be, you know, like their self-doubt or their criticisms or whatever it yeah. is. So the first like 20 minutes of this movie, I was like, I was like, cool. Yeah, I'm into this. Like, you know, what are we supposed to be picking up? What is this document or this, this package that she's transporting? You know, when there's all these voices that are kind of, you know, because the radio doesn't work like radios work, you know, like people would say over and there's like 20 people talking on a radio yeah. at one point. It's, don't it, be silent you yeah. know, when you're in enemy territory. <laughs> you're fine. And I, I, I quite, I quite enjoyed it. And then a rodent turned up, James. A bat like rodent. I was going to go, it's like a bat on Ritalin after a few years. He's weird. Mm. And also, what's his deal? Because what's its motive? What, what is it trying to do? Because it's after a package. That's, yeah. That mentions it's after the package, but it's not after the package. It's trying to bring the plane down. Then, it, then when a the Japanese show, well, it very lovingly disappears for a while. <laughs> so like, <laughs> that's convenient. So I'll give the Japanese a go. <laughs> <laughs> so it's there's so much happening here. But do you know what? That wasn't even that wasn't even my biggest letdown. My biggest letdown was the dynamics of the crew. The most realistic aspects of it is what let me down. Like I, I'm with you. Before the rodent shows up. And the banter on the radio, I know it's not very realistic, it's not hyper, like, like you say, they're not saying over, they are literally just like, oh, let's, she's hot, let's bang it, and she comes over and it's like, hello boys, do you mind mm. this? I was like, oh, I'm sorry miss, oh, and then they start questioning it, like, is she a spy? And I thought it was pretty cool. You know, they're like, let's do it, let's do a check on it. And then I quite like the paranoia thing, so she's on the underbelly of the plane and she's just literally looking at the sky, mm. uh, looking at the, the ground below. And I imagine that's quite, that's quite haunting. Like, if that glass breaks, you are done, you're full quite lonely you're literally staring into a kind of abyss and you're the only one that sees a Japanese fire jet but they won't listen to you because they're questioning who you are so they think it's fine I think oh wow that's a great story mm. there and then and and then we add the gremlin and that still wasn't the worst part <laughs> <laughs> because the worst part is everyone else the, the, the radio side of things is awful 
it's so bad. I, I don't even believe they were genuine people. You know, if you don't see them talk, are they real? I still don't believe they're real. I've seen them. Yeah. It's not how humans would act. I thought they had a really good story here. And they were just like, I imagine it was like, oh, just add this. Oh, just add this. Add this. And there was so much going on. And there were quite, well, there are some spoilers in this film that I won't get into because I thought they naturally, one of the spoilers was genuinely good. I was like, that's well written. It's also one of the first things you find out. So it's all downhill from there. Yeah, I, I, I struggled with it from the 20 minute mark after that. I think the, for the majority of the, the opening, I was well invested. I, I was like, the, the, it's such a good concept to a movie. Like, you don't see a lot. It's just having that trust in a single camera or, or two cameras at most on, on your main star and letting them just act, you know. And, and it was really refreshing to be like, this is, a, you know, an action thriller. And, she, and Chloe does such a great she, job of owning that. Yeah. Yeah, I think she does brilliantly with that. And and you're right, I thought it, maybe it is. I think it, maybe it warrants a rewatch to really kind of, because you're right, they, they don't talk like people would talk. Mm. And, you know, it's one of them, I certainly, it's got to be more, there's got to be, I've, got, maybe I've missed something huge. Maybe that rodent means something, James. Maybe, maybe. maybe. <laughs> I don't think so based on his actions. <laughs> maybe that rat-like thing just yeah. is, is, you know, a huge fucking metaphor for something that's going on in this, in Maud's life at that time. I don't know. Maybe. But, and it manifests somehow. <laughs> but then what happens is it turns very much generic action. And there is, there is so action. There is one point in it as well where, and I won't spoil it, but something happens. It's, it's maybe where the most money went into the effects. Yep. And I was watching it with Emily and Emily went, I don't get how that happened. And I went, I I, I think I do, but I don't want to, I don't want to waste the energy explaining it. Yep. But it does involve an explosion that is cool. And I imagine actually in, in like a Dwayne Johnson action movie, <laughs> it, it would be work. cool. But in this, you're like, what? <laughs> like that justifies <laughs> All laws of science. It was it was weirdly one of the most authentic, unauthentic films I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> and it gets really weird towards the end. Oh, mate. Do, do you know what I did like? Because it's the greatest. Do you know when a clever, you know when a film thinks it's trying to be clever? It's like, ooh, a bit of a nudge here. Ooh, ooh. The, the, the plane's called The Fool's Errand. The Fool's Errand. Yeah. I was just like, yep. <laughs> Yep. So uh, meanings, mate, it's got less. It's, it probably has, but I'm not. I'm not going back to try and find out what they are. <laughs> but yeah, I think William Shatner did the Twilight Zone, didn't he? And then yes. it was um, oh, what's his name? John Lithgow did the. I've heard did someone say because like Shatner did the black and white way back did, when. Yeah. yeah, I think Lithgow when he did, just hammed it. Yeah, Lithgow did the the color. You know, the revamp, the the reboot of Twilight Zone. I think it was. But that's a cool concept. You being the only person who said, and and I like as like I said, uh, there is a such a great film in here about isolation, loneliness, mm. not belonging, being the only one that sees a threat and having no one believe you, and you basically spend an entire film trying to convince someone or something. That's really cool. But you do not need so many extras, mm. and there is so much going on in this film. And I, I do you know what I'm actually quite impressed. It all happens in the space of about an hour, ten minutes. Yeah, it's pretty low budget. This movie It's very low budget, but I, do you know what? I think it hides itself quite well. I think the costume and and the set was was okay. And then I think uh, Chloe, uh, I think you call her Chloe like we're best Chloe friends. Grace Moraes. So because she, she stands out, right? So not a lot stands out in this film, but she can hold the presence of a camera. And the scenes where she's on her own, she acted brilliantly. Mm. And that's all you can ask for her. She was, she was really good. It kind of showed you something, showed you that she could. You know, like um, Tom Hardy in a film Lark, where it's just him. Yeah. And he showed you something in that film. He was like, there's nothing going on in this film. It's Tom Hardy talking. But if he's got you, then that's a, that's a testament to how good they are. This is the M. Night Shyamalan thing, isn't it? Where his movies always work best when they don't reveal their hand. And 
this film, the more it told you and explained, the more uninterested I was. Yeah. The more the mystery was unraveled with certain set pieces, I was like, oh, it was much better when it left it to the audience's imagination. There was that I think maybe seeing it was the problem. Do you know what, there's a great there's a great dialogue where uh, Chloe sees it, uh, sorry, Mort sees it, and then she kind of doesn't tell anyone, and then another gunner says, "Can anyone else see this rat?" And you then see a rat on the plane. Yeah, but that was really good. But then it doesn't matter because then. They had another fucking bullshit element that gets dropped. And I was like, oh, that's quite idea. What do people, are other people seeing it? Because maybe they describe it differently. And then you think, well, maybe it's something to do, a bit mm. weird, a bit funky, mate. A bit different. So whereas I probably wouldn't recommend Joel, I would say Shadow in the Cloud is worth, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you're a film goer and you're a film fan, and, and certainly if you're, you're a fan of Chloe Grace Moretz, then it's probably on your, your list anyway. But... I don't know. It, it probably is worth a watch just to see. It doesn't get any better towards the end. I would say that. It's not one of them where the payoff is at the end of the movie. If you're not in, invested in the first 20 minutes, then it, you're, you're going to be disappointed because yeah. the second the effects start coming in and it breaks, the, it does that thing where it's just so unrealistic. It, yeah. it's, you, know, you know what I mean? Like when, when the first major stunt is, you know, like Dwayne, <laughs> Dwayne Johnson jumping off a crane, you know, re- unrealistic. It, it, it is that style of like, okay, well, that would never happen. You can't have you can't have your pioneer as well. Is the idea that, for example, the film skyscraper? You know, it's bollocks. You can't set up something as authentic though, and then have what happens happen. Mm. You can't you can't have them both. We're rattling through, mate. We're two. We're halfway there, but obviously, I think the last one's the biggest talking the biggest one. one. So, let's move on, James. I'm going to let you talk us into Guns Akimbo. So we're going back. So I've done this film before, but I gave it a very short one. So I'm looking forward to now that you've seen it, it's talking about it. Written and directed by Jason Lou Howden, starring Harry Potter, Daniel Radcliffe himself as Miles, Samara Weaving as Nix, Ned Dealey as Richter. Mate, ooh, this, them names. So mate, that's a pretty name. good bad guy name, Richter. Yeah, he is very good. And also spelled a bit differently, R-I-K-T-O-R. Right, in the near future, a criminal organisation called Schism has swept social media with its massively popular live streaming of death matches involving psychopaths and criminals. Ooh, basically like Facebook in a few years. <laughs> Miles is an everyday computer programme who spends his evenings drinking and trolling internet trolls. You know, giving it back to him. I quite like that. I like that. It's, a, it's like the unsung hero. <laughs> He's the person that you all wish you could be if you had the time. Mm. <laughs> You on Twitter. <laughs> um, after picking a fight on a schism website, Miles wakes up to find two handguns bolted to his hands and finds himself up against schism's most celebrated killer, Nyx. Samara weaving. The game is on, as Miles must learn how to survive the onslaught of Nyx, win back his girlfriend, and get revenge on the head of schism, Richtor, before he franchises the movement and takes the mayhem. Worldwide! <laughs> Can I just say right from the beginning, and and you fall into the trap brilliantly of, of announcing Daniel Radcliffe as Harry Potter, Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah, but that's... Which is easy to do because, I mean, he's one of the biggest franchises of all time yeah. and one of the most memorable performances of any actor in any big major franchise. And he will always have that behind him. He's never struck me as the kind of person that ever tries to... Do you know what I like a lot of actors? They make a load of money and then all of a sudden they're embarrassed about their early career. It's like, yeah. fuck off. If you went all the way back and you'd do it again. Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey's really looking at you. Yeah, yeah. Chris Evans, you were in Not Another Team Movie, all right? Let, but Captain America, you were. Shut up. <laughs> you know, and there's a lot of that in there of like people, all of a sudden when they've made it, they, they all of a sudden are like, oh, yes. Yeah, so I, I, 
I'll tell you another good one, Oscar Isaacs. Oscar Isaacs was like, oh, all I want to do is independent <laughs> movies. Like, oh, Star Wars, I, I sold my soul. Oh yeah, Moon Knight, A for Marvel. <laughs> Too many O's on that paycheck, wasn't there? Hey, come on. <laughs> like, it's all right now you've done the fucking franchise. Yeah. You know, Fastbender's another, in it? Like, if it... I, I tell you what, though, with Daniel Radcliffe, he could have gone on to do anything. I yeah. imagine any door would have opened. And some of the projects he's gone on to do, hats off to that man. We've, we celebrated Daniel Radcliffe when we talked about Jungle like quite a bit back now. Yeah. But, you know, Swiss Best Army Man. episode as well. He's like top. Yeah. And we're talking about top prospects for the future Hall of Famers in the uh, Hollywood. You think of like Swiss Army Man, Imperium, Horns. What if? I love like, what if, mate. So many movies that like, and Elijah Wood's another one of these guys where like huge franchise, made enough money, I imagine, to to live comfortably and now does things that he just wants to do. Yeah. Um, and hats off to Daniel Redcliffe because he's fucking brilliant in this movie. He's so likeable in I... a movie that has no right to be good. <laughs> Let's be honest. So, um, do you know what? I've, I've rewatched this film again this week. I've really liked it. I still think it holds up. I think. Mm. Do you remember the film Polar, which we detested? Yeah, yeah. I believe this is the kind of the art style of the action scene. So it's quite. Do you know, when you're watching it, you get a concoction of different films. You're getting Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Right. That, that's the bar. Yeah. Scott Pilgrim versus the World is the bar that every one of the, like a lot of these films kind of aspire to be because it worked. Brilliantly. brilliantly the idea of like the animation popping up on screen you know like almost like a game like scott pilgrim is the holy grail and oh. there's been a lot of films that have attempted that art style and not necessarily paid off but yeah i know what you mean this yeah. this falls into that category so we were talking about what we were talking earlier about what does joel what's it going for i think it's going for this i think gunda kimber does a fantastic job of kind of showing you that the world's ott the villain's got uh, tattoos all over his face. It's a bit crazy. The scene locations, they're either, they're either, you know, like alleys or they're in like these desolated places full of graffiti. It's got a tremendous art style. It's got something about it. It knows what it's trying to say. It's got an over the top villain. It's got those bad guys that are way over the top and it's got easily to stand out Samara Weaving is next. And she, mm. mate, is phenomenal in this film. Yeah, I really I really like that. Um, what was that horror she did? Oh, a similar kind of black comedy horror, Hide and Seek. Oh, I don't know. I've not seen it. I believe this might be the only thing I've seen. I mean, mm. oh, she was in Monster Trucks as well. I've seen that. With oh, the, yeah. With the monsters a truck. Yeah, it was a bad film. Everyone's got a death note. Everyone's got a death note. But what you've got is you've got an absolutely fantastic... Uh, she's brilliant. She is... She is a younger version of Harley Quinn, this character. Like a different... Like, like somehow grittier. It's ready, ready or not. Sorry, not Hide and Seek, right. that movie. Hide and Seek was the Robert De Niro... <laughs> Terrible, Terrible one. one. <laughs> when he just stopped. Ready, ready or shit. not. That's the movie that I really liked, yeah. So, um, I think she's fantastic. She's the foil for this. Daniel Radcliffe does such a great job of being dropped in this world that he does not understand. You know, he spends, when he's trying to eat a hot dog, you know, with his guns in his hand, it's, it's, it's quite funny. However, it's horrific, but he does such a good way of realising he lives in a world that he doesn't belong now. Mm. Just the way he acts. Yeah, the way he's putting on trousers. It's just funny because it's every day you can sit there and go, I don't know how I'd do that either. Answering mm. the phone. You know, it's it's all quite funny. But then you've got the the juxtaposition, the opposite. You've got Nick's who thrives in this world, going around blowing people up. And it's always the shot, you know, of the people watching. In films like this, they're always the uh they're always the standout because it's you know, how low can you go? How it, low is perverse is humanity? It has a social commentary on it, doesn't it? That this film and quite a few of us, I think recently, although somewhat different, but a movie like Spree that we talked about. Yeah. There was a movie a bit back with Emma Roberts in it. I think it was called Nerve with Dave Franco. There was that one about betting as well, wasn't it? 
so there are a few it, it certainly falls into that like social commentary that we're we, we're in a generation where we spend our too much time on the internet we spend too much time liking horrible videos online because it's easy to do that behind you know like fights and you know terrible murder videos and and stuff like that and people are accustomed to liking commenting trolling and being fucking terrors on the internet and it it does have that doesn't it, it tries to it's that whole black mirror thing isn't it, it tries to whereas other movies try and show you, oh, how terrible you are because you are as bad from liking, following, commenting, praising these internet celebrities. What Guns Akimbo does really well is it kind of does that. And then, and then, it, but then it shows you the scene of the, the people going, yeah, but fuck you. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's kind of like, it has this, it, it, it almost tries to make the joke. He goes on a rant as well, doesn't he? He goes, fuck you, you're the reason for this. And then Nick's like, just shut up. Yeah, it's, <laughs> just, it's, it's, it's very self-aware, but, it, it, but it's not trying to be political or anything like that. It's just... I, I I really like the tone of this movie because it is ultimately also complete nonsense. None of it makes sense. But again, this is a movie. Unfortunately, whereas Joel, I think, kind of went for a style and 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 fell. This went for its style and it stuck by its convictions. It did. People don't talk the way that they talk. Daniel Radcliffe is a computer programmer for a sh- for an app. Yet he lives in this amazing apartment with all this like high end uh, collectible figurines and shit that you like. Okay, all right, we'll we'll go with this then. We'll believe it. Yeah, it has, it, you know, it has all these, you know, running, like, the, it's the idea that the cops, for some reason, would never find him, even though he's walking around with two after, guns. And after he's also shot a cop as well, that there's no other cops show up. Yeah. They're just like, yeah, be and, and the fact that people play a game where they can, like, blow each other up in cars on highways, no one intervenes or thinks that's fucking odd and weird. And there's always a drone camera two seconds away from the reactions. The police can't find him, but a drone camera always comes along just as something happens. It, it's... I always thought I was a bit weird as well. It's like, because Nick's blows one up and then there's long periods where they're not being followed. And I just mm. remember thinking, so what if they die there? Well, if you're watching that and you're like, oh, he died off screen. Bullshit ending. <laughs> yeah, there's loads of bit, you know, there's there's a scene where there's a fight with someone with a hammer and, you know, any one of the blows would have killed any person, but yeah. for some reason they just keep knocking shit out of each other. Cocaine's power up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, apparently, you know, they, someone can take 50 bullets before they go down. It is, it's one of the movies that is, you know, hyper-violent and unrealistic. And I think Polar's a good good comparison to, to this. And I know Polar came from a graphic novel. I'm not sure the origins of Guns Akimbo, but... I think the idea was it's like it sets up the premise very quickly in like the first 10 minutes. Yeah. Pretty much from when Daniel Radcliffe wakes up with these two guns like bolted to his hands, like quite graphically bolted to his hands. And whereas that would shock an audience, the next scene is him trying to figure out how to piss and get his trousers on. And yes, there is a prosthetic penis in this film that... You know, it's like, it very much is like, this is the movie you're watching. So you can either stick around and watch it and we'll go to some crazy places or you can turn it off now. And it actually is worth sticking around and seeing where it goes. So I, I no surprise, I really like this film. And I obviously thought Ned Dennehy, who plays the villain, Richter, I thought he actually did a really good job. And I was watching, I was thinking, he was in series like three of Luther and he yeah. played that, like the old serial killer. And you know what, since then, he's kind of exploded. He's been a bit very, and he's got such a great voice. His voice is one of the best voices I think I've heard in a cinema. He's so, well, not in a cinema, on, on TV. He's so, like, gravelly and grating and he's badass. It's evil. And I, I, do you know what? It's time to it's time to shout out prop designers, set designers. They do a phenomenal job. So he, they're not taped to his hand. They're bolted through and it looks gruesome. Mm. Then at the end, you see scars on his hands. And do you know what? Makeup was fantastic in this film as well. Everything's great. The look of the characters. Like when you see Nix as well, like she's after been through shit and like the tattoos that she's got. And Nix was, I was, I was in love with Nix. I was like, do it, girl, do it. I know you're technically the villain, but do it. 
I really like this film. I had a lot Which of fun. She's the anti-hero in this issue. But uh, I really like this film because do you know what? It sets out a story early. It's not trying to break. It's not trying to break anything. It's just going to be like do you know what? This is going to be a fun story. Daniel Radcliffe, I love him. You know, he does these films because of some sort of desire. It gave us that meme because this film's actually you've seen a picture of this film for years because it's that picture of him with the guns in his hand in a dressing gown in the street. And that, that with, the, pic- with the beer slippers. Yeah, that picture's been out there for years, yeah. right? And they even referenced that in the movie. They're like, oh, you're a meme already. And it's actually really funny. Daniel Radcliffe's also talking about like dialogue of Jolt not being witty or funny. This really is. And Daniel Radcliffe pulls off some fucking cracking lines yeah, in it. Yeah, he does. There's one bit where... Um, there's no sport like not without spoiling it. There's a scene where someone gets killed in front of Daniel Radcliffe and the person who kills him just stares at Daniel Radcliffe afterwards and he goes, what the fuck does that face mean? <laughs> like, it's just like, because the guy does pull like that typical look out, you know, like, like medicine look and Daniel Radcliffe's just like, the fuck? Like, <laughs> and it's just really good. Like, I really liked his character in it as well. I like the, 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 the character he plays Miles. You know, and, and at the beginning, he's like talking about, oh, I've, you know, the girl I love, you know, she's she's left me, but this isn't that film. <laughs> like, this isn't the film where I get her back. It's like, it's got a narrative over the top of it that's really good. It does get stupid. It is it is over the top and it is unrealistic and, and what have you, but it, you can't deny that it's entertaining. It was very good fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah. It was um, like an indie film with a bit of a budget, you know, having fun, having a lark, taking on a genre. I really liked it. Thought it was good. I think the, the real take-home star though is Samara Weaving. Oh, I she's think, so good. I think certainly like the the filmography that she's that she's come out with so far. I think the, I mean it's, I mean she probably she already is because of the movies that she's been in. But fucking, the, she's going to land a, a huge huge yeah. role at some point. Probably Marvel, probably su- su- superhero at some point. But mm. but keep going down this route of because she pulls it off so well. I think I mean her character in this and and as I said, ready or not. Um, she does oddly look very much like um, Margot Robbie though, doesn't yeah, she? Yeah, she does. I just got that vibe from yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, the, the whole thing in this, it's also got a nice cameo from uh, Reese Darby in it as well, who I, I love from Flight of the Concords. And... Reese Darby is, might be the favourite thing of anything he's ever been in. Yeah. Including that episode. Of, of the X-Files. Of the X-Files, which was phenomenal. It's one yeah. of my favourite episodes of X-Files, mate. It, it was so funny. It was... Yeah, I do fucking <laughs> love that episode. Actually. It's fucking brilliant. <laughs> yeah, they, they, I do. Yeah, I really like that. I really like that film. So that's um, Guns Akimbo, which also, wicked name. It is a wicked name. And and I said this a few weeks back and I keep forgetting to bring it up. I fucking love it. I, I, I am the guy that likes when, in a film, they say the name. That's fine. But well, now we have to talk about it being in the vault because that's your role. That was my thing. Yeah, but really man Jolt did that as well. But I love it. You know, yeah, like we, we, we discussed that. Nowhere in Shadow in the Cloud do they go, oh my God, there's a shadow in the cloud. And if they did, I didn't hear it. But <laughs> this one, just for no reason, someone goes, oh, guns are Kimbo. It makes no sense. Like, <laughs> like someone just calls Daniel Radcliffe at some point because they obviously don't know his name or, or whatever. I am looking for the, I'm looking for the best one. I think that should be, what's the best mention of its own in there? How can he shoehorn your own name? Because to me, to, so far there's one minute it's clear and present danger because the president stops and gives you, it's like, there is definitely a clear and present danger and then stops afterwards. You just think, yep, Just wink at the camera. <laughs> Fucking do it. Like, I, 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 I've only ever seen the movie once, but I do want to go back and watch Quantum of Solace just to see if they slip that in there. How? Because it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> like, apparently, apparently I, I read an interview. No, I watched an interview where Quantum of Solace was what Fleming described as the the moment when the honeymoon period of a relationship ends oh. and you know the butterflies and the like the singing and dancing ends and it's like 
actually this isn't maybe as great as I thought it was or or it becomes kind of routine yeah described it I think in in the original literature of James Bond it was the quantum of solace is the the that moment Jesus Christ I think that's I think that's what it was but then again he wrote a load of rubbish in his his books that uh, he made up a load of shit well, you got away with it, didn't you? Because yeah. they're still making these films. They're um, not releasing them, but they're still homos- making them. Homosexuals Can't Whistle. That's yeah. in one of the That's, James Bond books, this isn't This is in it? the first one as well. Yeah. Um, Great man. <laughs> Guns of Kimbo isn't vault-worthy. It's not vault But it's fucking entertaining. It's a good film. And not that long. No, about 90 minutes again. Yeah. I don't I don't think it pushed much more than that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, one hour 38. But it is, it's definitely an, an 18. Oh. No, no shadow of doubt. Can I just say as well that Joel had an after-scene credit? Susan Sarandon scene? Nope. Because that would be bad. It had an after-scene credit. They're, they're cheek of that film setting up a sequel. <laughs> the fucking cheek of it. <laughs> the fucking it has no that. right to set up a sequel. <laughs> well, I was just thinking of names. What would it be? Streak? <laughs> like Streak of Lightning, Joe Lightning. It could be, what's next? Bolt. <laughs> out of that cinema. Bolt out of the cinema. <laughs> Get the fuck out. Oh, Amazon. Yeah, it won't go to the cinema. I don't know, mate. <laughs> Guns Akimbo. Right, and let's go uh, on to maybe the big one, uh, which is the number one movie in probably the whole wide world at the moment. Yeah, it's only we got it first. Oh my God, Britain came first for once. Yeah, yeah, released uh, on the same day as its predecessor, What a Kick in the Nuts. That is, <laughs> that's just, do you know what though? Everything about this film screams, it's better. You know, just like, how are you going to replace it? James Gunn, James Gunn's hot. Do you know what? Based on this, he's got Carl Blanche to do what he wants in the DC. You know, they're allowing him to go back to do Guys of the Galaxy and they've just said, come back. He's got ideas. They're just like, you can do whatever you want. But Godfather status has never always worked though. Chris, not, Chris Nolan Chris got Nolan, that and it yeah. didn't, didn't pay off, did it? No, but I think it's like, they want him to just create. Anyway, you ready? The Suicide Squad. Not just Suicide One. This is the one you'll remember. The Suicide Squad. Written and directed by James Gunn. And mate, it is written and directed by James Gunn. He's taken the gloves off. You know, he gave us the brilliant, the extremely fantastic and successful franchise, Guardians of the Galaxy. And that had no right to be as good as what it was. Yeah, exactly. Let's be honest. Even comic, and I say this every week, I, I never read comic books growing up, but people I know that read comic books growing up they still were. were like, it did not need to be that good. And it was. Particularly that fucking second one. Second Guardians of the Galaxy movie, still the funniest opening like sequence yeah. I think I've ever seen in a movie. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. Where do you stand on the great debate? The first one or the second one? Uh, the, the first is the better one, but the second has two... I, I love the second one. Mate, how do you make a film better? Inject Kurt Russell into yeah, it. Yeah, but it's the end that lets Kurt Russell yeah. down in that. But it does have the the, 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 the little group stealing the keys scene yes. um, oh, that's with great. Michael Rooker. Oh, that scene is phenomenal. That might be one of my favourite scenes in any film ever. Yeah, and the opening scene and is, the opening is amazing. Scene. Actually, yeah, maybe the second one is better, actually. Oh, and the, the teenage group. <laughs> Yeah, maybe the second one is better. <laughs> Look at the acorns on you, boy. The first, yeah, the first did have the better soundtrack, though. Right, mate. I've only, right, so there's so many in here. I haven't, I haven't been able to talk, list them all. Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn, Idris Elba's Bloodsport, John Cena as Peacemaker, Joel Kinnaman as Rick Flag, Sylvester Stallone as Nanu or King Shark, Viola, uh, Viola Davis as Amanda Walker, Peter Capaldi as the Thinker, David Dastmalshanan as Polka Dot Man. And uh, Danielle Malcor as Ratcatcher 2. Wait, and I've not even mentioned Nathan Fillion, Taika Waititi. I've not mentioned a lot of them. Okay. Chai Courtney. <laughs> um, oh my God. Mark Rooker. Mark Rooker. Task Force X is sent into the South American island nation of Corto Maltese. 
to overthrow the anti-American regime and destroy Jutenheim, a laboratory that holds secret research about the mysterious Project Starfish. Ooh, the team must work together to catch the lead scientist, the thinker, get into Jotunheim and blow the place to hell. Do you know what's really weird? I've given you a very basic synopsis. And let's, let's be honest, the storyline does not branch from that. No, this could quite easily be like Rambo 7. Yeah, easily. It's literally get here, do this. You never guess what happens. They, they do it. Yeah. I actually, one of the major uh, things I liked about this movie was the simplicity of that. Because when you look back at Suicide Squad, and I'm going to address it now, I wasn't a Suicide Squad hater. I thought it was, I thought it was the best it could be in a, in a particularly horrible circumstance. It was edited shockingly. It was bad. They and it had a- Wrong decisions. Yeah. It had a terrible soundtrack that was just all over the place. And- it underutilized key players, mainly Jared Leto as the Joker. Now, not saying he's a good Joker, best Joker, worst Joker. But they based the whole advertising campaign on him. And you've got to give him fair shot at proving himself. Four or five scenes isn't enough, unfortunately, to, to kind of really have any kind of say in whether or not he's a good Joker or not. And actually, I quite like Jared Leto's Joker as this like gangster that every fucker fears. Like that's really cool. Actually, his presence in Bird of Prey. That's literally what I was because it's so much better than his actual Actual presence. presence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the idea that when everyone's like, well, the Joker's not around anymore, so we can do what we want, or Harley's free game. Like, so I, so anyway, so the Suicide Squad, the problem with it was, is it was edited all over the place. You'd go from scene to scene and it had no real kind of flow. And, and the all Enchantress and. Bad. It was, it was a bad story. Yeah. Like, it was bad. And it was unfortunate because there was some real talent in that movie. So I wasn't a hater, but I was very much like, it is a bad movie. But yeah. it, I don't think it's like the actor's fault or the director's. It's definitely not uh, David Ayer's fault. It was. I wasn't it was a performer's problem. No. Everyone, everyone did seem like... So I'm on the problem of that. He was boring. And that because the editing is so far off. And what you heard, you heard like the stuff that they recorded, but never made it onto any extras mm. or anything because they didn't want... They kind of anti-reversed the Schneider cut. They didn't want you to know there was an alternative cut. So they buried that shit deep. Um, I, just, I was quite bored of it, to be honest. I, I, and I knew the characters. Like, I genuinely think part of the problem was the characters were too big. Mm. Like, you know, Deadshot's a big one. Harley Quinn's a big one. The Joker's a big one. You know... Uh, Killer Clock, you know stuff aren't going to happen to these because they're, they're, they're like bigger. And it relied, I think, a lot on you knowing the source material because yes. it, like if, if you went into it not knowing anything, it relies heavily on you understanding the Joker and Harley Quinn's toxic relationship. And the, the Suicide Squad, the David Ayer one, does nothing to really set you up into that world. And it has this really weird Batman scene in it. And I think I think I was definitely generous reviewing it when we f- went to the cinema to watch it because since rewatching it, it it's, is yeah. it's a very it, it, it's a poor movie, but it's not. I don't hate it. There are elements that are passable. Yeah, Margot Robbie. What I, what I like about James Gunn's one is it's like okay, so you kind of know the premise, and and this they're calling this what is it? It's a it's a standalone reboot, reboot, remake. Yeah, yeah. No sequel, isn't it? It's a standalone sequel, which means that you that yeah. you, you haven't you don't need to watch the first one to watch this one because the continuation doesn't follow. Yeah. So in the universe, it can Tantris doesn't exist or anything like that. It's, it's but it, it relies on you also kind of almost seeing the first one because it's like you need to know you know the fact that if they accept this mission, they're going to get time off their sentence. Very much Viola Davis's character. Um, as Amanda Waller and and uh, what's his name Joel Kinnaman as as Rick, Rick Flag. Flag, it kind of expects you to know them too. Yeah, and but here's all the new characters. And even if you don't, you still recognise them because uh, Viola Davis is the one giving out orders, and Rick Flag is the one that she cares about. Mm. Now, I think she. Uh, how do you, how, how do we start with this? Right, storyline. The storyline is basically 
granted, there's stuff that happens in it throughout the film. And I'm not, we're not going to spoil them because it's a recent release. You should go watch it. I guess I think I should start by setting my stall out early. I came out of the cinema, I didn't know what to think. I, do you know what? I did enjoy it. Mm. I did enjoy it. And it's unfair to say that I didn't. Did I love it? No, but do you know what? There's something insidious about the film. It's been creeping up on me. I've been thinking about it. It wears its heart on its sleeve, which is something that was a bit different from a, uh, actually probably last time I saw it was like a, like a thought film. It's like, it's not trying to show you hidden meanings. There's no like, oh, what does it all mean? It's genuinely, they're bad guys. They do bad guy things. There is a hilarious scene in the jungle, mate, that when that's revealed, mm. I, I was, well, we were in the same cinema without salt popcorn. Don't even get me started on that. I know. Um, I was pissing myself. Idris Elba is a- He was my, in Cats, by the way. Right. It's always worth mentioning. And that's actually a point I'm going to make up because when I was talking about how great Sean Bean was a few weeks ago, someone tweeted this picture of Idris Elba when I asked the question, is he Britain's greatest export? And they said Idris Elba. And do you know what? I would have said yes about 10 years ago. Mm. But that man picked shit films. You will never forget he was in Cats. Never. His filmography isn't great. And he's always kind of the supporting character. Well, do you know what? He gets a shot. Bloodsport. Replacement for Will Smith. You know, Will Smith was the leading man in the original one. You know, he's bigger. He's badder. I think Idris Elba is a great addition. I think he does his part very well. And, you know, I'm going to start off there. Great leader for your group. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, 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 Idris Elba is very, very good in this movie. He's very good. Maybe film. other than Luther, which is like God tier. Obviously, um, maybe one of my favorite Idris Elba performances. I think he, he really knew how to do this character. I think Gunn gets the best out of him as well because there's a scene when he's talking to a daughter in prison and he just say "fuck you" for like five minutes, and I was mm. again, I was, I had a cheeky ruckle, mate. And I was having a chuckle. Yeah, it, yeah. And then how, how do you get this? John Cena's not an actor by trade. Peacemaker. Probably my second favourite character to come out of this. What a great comedy relief, but at the same time, quite a threat. To pull them mm. off, to be both menacing and a threat at the same... Uh, sorry, to be the comic relief on a basic level is like, like I'll eat all the dicks. You know, that bit in the trailer. But when you actually see him in the movie, he's quite menacing. Yeah, Do you know what? Perfectly. Do you know what? There are actors out there that have been studying the craft for years that can't nail that. And he's a professional wrestler and he was able to perfectly guide through that... Well, I don't know what I'm talking about. The two. He yeah he he's he uses his physical stance really to his advantage like he is an imposing threat and bearing in mind he's like acting against like a fucking shark in some scenes exactly but he he certainly does come across as like the most intimidating and dangerous and most I suppose volatile and and, and violent out yeah. of all of them um, and also the most bizarre character and th th that's the other thing this is a celebration of the characters that would not otherwise make a movie. What I love about it is as well is that James Gunn went the opposite. He went, do you know what? You've got, you've got Michael Robbie, you've got Harley Quinn. So you've got the, the big name. I've, and all the members of the Suicide Squad people I genuinely never heard of before. Yeah. I think that's the point, isn't it? Like yeah. Polka Man is, and again, I never read the source until, but from reading what James Gunn said about it, Polka Man like appears in like a comic, two comics or something. And he's always been regarding DC World as the worst. Yeah. And he, so he's like, well, I want to put him front and center in a movie. And, you know, this film is full of them. The characters like TDK, Mate, the greatest, Javelin, the greatest character. <laughs> Savan. I don't know who any of these people are because I didn't read it. Blackguards, uh, Mongol, we Weasel, mate, MVP. I don't oh, no, I'm going to go, I'm going to go the scene where, oh, I can't really say it. When, when DK ah, uses his ability, mate, fucking, that was fucking hilarious. It's Nathan Fillion, isn't it? Nathan yeah. Fillion scene where he, where he unleashes his power. It's one fucking funniest 10 seconds in that film. <laughs> Yeah, they've the, even picked a villain. 
the Orma bad guy that they knew was kind of a joke, but at the same time a threat. I think James Gunn went into the source material. Like, he had a plan. It was like, it's the Suicide Squad. And do you know what? No spoilers. It lives by its name. There's a lot of shocks in there. And do you know what? It's constant. Some of the acting as well. I think Viola Davis is one of my favourite villains. She's such a mm. knobhead. Yeah, yeah. Is she it? really is, isn't she, yeah, actually? She's, she's like, fucking very, very, like... You won't fuck about her, you would, would you? Not, you'd hate to work for her. No, yeah. Absolutely, but uh, do you want... I've, I've said all of this. What about... What, let's talk about Polka Dot Man. I've, I think uh, David... I can't remember his name. Sorry, I left it open my phone. Das Malshin. I always get his name wrong. He's... Yeah. Yeah, no, I think I said... I think that sounds about right. He was, he was a lot better than I was expecting. Do you remember when he was in Dark Knight? He, he's the guy who they must, he shoots. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah he's the one that they captured. And he's they like, captured. Yeah. And he was in uh, Ant-Man. Yeah, he was in the Gotham TV series as well. He's had, he's he's had quite everywhere. a few crossovers, yeah. I think that was, I thought he did a really good job with what, with what he had, which was kind of nothing. It was like this character doesn't, we know nothing about this. It leads to some very visual funny scenes. Mm. They were very good. Um, Sylvester Stallone as a shark. Obviously the group moment. That was the problem. I was, I was watching a James Gunn film the comparisons are there between him and Groot. However, he eats people. He's a shark. It's yeah, quite funny. There, there are there are two scenes where I absolutely absolutely fell in love with him, and it was not hand. No, no. <laughs> the, the, there's a scene. It's very James Gunny. It's very comedy. This there's a scene where Sonic looks very friendly, and then it isn't very friendly. And yes. unfortunately, King Shark is on the receiving end of how unfriendly it is. And that scene, I was like, that's fucking so funny. <laughs> so funny. I I, I did. I, I'll admit, mate. I fucking I bent over and took it. I fell right into the hands of King jo- uh, King Shark. I, I fucking loved him. I thought he was great. Yeah. What a spin-off. Do you know what I like said? Because I thought he was it was very good. He's supposed to be a hammerhead in the comic books. But they said no, Steve, think- James Gunn said that he just that you couldn't film that because of the eyes and No, I get that. Yeah, so they changed him to a great white. Also it's more iconic, isn't it? A great white. Mm. I think do you know what? I hope that's not the sort of thing that like comic book fan would be that annoyed about though, surely. I don't know. Maybe. Um Peter Capaldi is a thinker. Do you know what? I think that was a bit of a daring choice because he's not big in America. However, he plays his Doctor Who version just dialed up to evil. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a Capaldi <laughs> fan. I like Capaldi, yeah. I think he's fantastic. Um, I am getting there. Uh, Joel Kinnaman. I don't like Joel Kinnaman. I thought he was... Oh, actually, I do. But I like him in this. I thought he was very good in this. He is the straight man. He's well, That's the thing is, I quite like that he's not in this film. Was in the first, you know, he's by the laws. Mm. In this one, he's, he's, he's got, gets his shirt, he's got some tattoos, has a drink. He's learned from the first one, hasn't he? he he's, he's learned from Suicide Squad. He's like, ah, I'm going to bring it in this one. Yeah. I, I am actually a fan. He, he was in a, The Kill in the TV series, which I really liked. And then he was you in, told me about this. Yeah, yeah. That's where I first discovered him, James. And then the TV series Hannah, but um, Altered Carbon, he was in the first season oh, of that. He was in the that's first, the one I, he got jacked to. He got massive. Mate, for he that. Was, I liked that. He didn't show up for the second one. Uh, Mackie did. Absolutely, Mackie, yeah. yeah. I was like, I want, I want Killerman back. Do you know what? Show stealer, mate. And I don't, I can't actually think of any other films that I've seen Danielle Malko in as Rat Catcher. I'm glad too. you said that. Easily the standaway, mate, the, the takeaway fell in love from this, yeah. And what you've got is you've got, this is where some of the great dialogue comes from because there's like a millennial thing. He's like, she, she's tired, she's having a nap. And she's got a power that is disgusting. Mm. It's the power to control rats. But she has this backstory and it's, it's shown through two scenes. Shown through two scenes, it's, it's, she's looking out the window and the window changes like a memory. And, and who's her dad, mate? Taika Waititi, who I didn't notice to start with. Didn't you? I didn't, yeah, I didn't, oh, right. I didn't, until, until they put the, yeah, all right, yeah. When it, <laughs> he makes her look great. Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like, he fantastic. And then he shows up and he gives a speech at the end. It's the only time I think he talks, he doesn't talk in the first scene. Mm. Do you know what, mate? I, I'm in love. I, I just thought this was a great performance. Um, James Gunn has come out and said that she is, uh, that character is the heart of the film. And do you know what? Brilliant. Mm. And do you know what? There's no... 
Now, I guess we should move on to the familiarity and the relationship with the character. They bounce so naturally off each other. And one of the best relationships is, is her with Bloodsport. There's no romantic element. It's it's a, you're bad. It's like, no, it's I a, think there's some good in you. It's, yeah. like, it's, like, it's kind of like father and daughter, but not... Yeah, she she kind of gets out of him what she's missing in the father, and then he gets to kind of gets make to right what, yeah. what he's done wrong with his daughter. It, it has it has in there in the middle of the movie. Again, I've used this phrase two or three times today already. So they quite rightly didn't didn't like it had no right being in there, but it worked really well. Do you want to talk to you about now? Is actually making me realize I actually really did like this film. So I'm, yeah. I'm, quite, I'm glad we're talking about it. <laughs> I did. I, I think I think the, the the big the big selling point for this is the is the James Gunn angle of it. It is very much James Gunn. This is like I imagine this. He's got the option now to make an R-rated film. And so he was like, sometimes I do think the gore might have been dialed up because he could. Yeah. But, but it is a film called The Suicide Squad. It could, so. it could have been much more. Yeah. It, it could have been much more. Because it, it's the funny thing, isn't it, with like gore and stuff, is that when you've got like a, a particularly gory scene, you then followed by like, you know, a shark eating someone whole. And you're yeah. like, well, all right. The two kind of balance and kind of work each other out. The credit scene is, so you have an opening scene and then you get the credit scene. The credit scene is... It's so funny. It's macabre images, <laughs> like like birds eating corpses. Whilst, yeah. Whilst like really happy music plays, I remember thinking, "Oh, James gone." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it has the it has what's known in the in the trades as the false start, doesn't it? Yeah. And and I do like that that trait in movies, but yeah, I, I think James Gunn really is able to shoot an ensemble cast really well, so everyone gets enough screen time that you they kind do. of understand them all. You, know, you get the motives. You kind of get how they all interlink with each other. For the for the I suppose for the main squad you get enough and and it does rely on you knowing a little bit like so for example Rick Flagg's character it does kind of rely on you knowing him a little bit from the previous incarnation of the film but for, on the whole I found everyone really got the kind of equal measure of of the screen and the the kind of limelight yeah um Think- yeah it's gory it's over the top it is OTT it's but it's also really self mockery as well yeah and that I love it, the, it one I would define this movie as sarcastic. Yeah. It has a very sarcastic feel to the whole movie, to, to the superhero genre, to the action genre, to the ensemble cast genre, you know, all those kind of things. It's kind of like, it, it, it's why I imagine if you gave, you know, like a, 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 a geek, you know, 20 million pound or a hundred million pound or whatever it is, and just said, do your passion project. And James goes like, hold my beer, I've got this. <laughs> and it pays off. I, um, I think some of the writing as well was top notch. I like the macabre kind of the scenes that that were in the trailer. When you hear Idris, I was like, "We're all going to die." And then what you don't know is someone say something else. He just goes, "Fuck off!" Yeah, <laughs> but it's it's. Do you know what? Brilliant use of swearing because it's natural, it's realistic. Do you know what? I fell in love with the characters. I and that's really weird. They're all villains, and they're they're actually played as villains as well. They're like they're not a good guy. And oh, I'm talking about some of my favourite scenes. There is a scene where John Cena and Bloodsport just try and outkill each other and it, mate, it's fucking brilliant. Mm. Or a scene where John Cena's just in his tight whites, again, in a fucking brilliant film, a brilliant se- sequence. There's nothing, maybe um, some of the action scenes go on a bit too long and I'm talking about um, James Gunn does a really good thing. And most directors, especially if you've got a superhero background, do a really good job of pacing your action scenes out. Towards the end, it goes from a big action scene and then there's like 30 there's like three minutes straight into another action scene you kind of felt fatigued by the end because that final action scene goes on for a long, long time. time yeah so I do remember feeling a bit fatigued the storyline is very basic but I think it works in this instance because because that was the problem with the like the original there was oh no the Intantress oh she's doing this here it's go here do this it do you know what it's bold as well it makes some decisions that that you wouldn't necessarily do 
and uh, some great choices, some daring choices as well. Apparently, the studio said to James Gunn, "It's like you, you kill whoever you need to to make the storyline work. Do not worry about backlash. We will." I just think, and then he made some, he made some decisions, mm. and I think they worked. You now, speaking about it right now, yeah, I actually really liked it. I came out of there not sure how much I liked it, but you know what? I thought it was very good. Yeah, you, I, it feels like miles, miles, miles away from when we got like that first Superman reboot, the Zack Snyder, yeah. the, you know, and it went really dark and all the DC movies coming out were really dark. Like, it feels like we would, it's so weird that we have this movie now. Yeah, that's true. You know, it, it, which is kind of adding, it's it's a real gem to DC's kind of catalogue, really. Yeah. They've had some wins recently in the in their yeah, kind of have. weird universe. Yeah, and obviously- the, on a streak. Yeah, the Flash that's obviously coming out is, is, is gonna, you know, causing big kind of uh, conspiracies and rumours and, you know, mutterings at the moment in the intersphere, doesn't it? And, you know, we've got the, the the Batman coming out at some point as well. And I think they, they really have turned it around, I think, DC, in this weird multiverse that they've created. Um, I guess what the biggest problem is now is what they do now, because they, as I recall for DC, is a bit of a gap now. So before, because the next big release is the Batman and the Flash film. There's yeah. nothing coming now, whereas in this void, there's oh, quite a Aquaman 2's finished filming. Exciting. Yep. That's definitely a thing. <laughs> the, I'm going to say something quite, what I imagine is very controversial at oh the moment. God. Is I don't get, and and again, I didn't read the source material, so, you know, I'll hold my hand up, but I don't get the Harley Quinn fascination. I'm glad that you said that because I think Harley Quinn's starting to grow on me a little. Yeah, like, I've enjoyed everything she's been in, you know, and I think Margot Robbie's excellent. You know, I, I like Birds of Prey. I really like Birds of Prey. I really like this movie. You know, I, I liked her roles in Suicide Squad. Um, but I don't get the, like... She's not in the source material. You know, Batman animated series, she was created for that and then became so popular in the animated series that they made her in the comic books. So she's she's an original character from the animated TV series, which I like to point out is one of the best TV, one of the best animated TV series of all time. Mm. Anyway, that's where she's come from. She's originally from that. And then she was so popular, she transversed into the comic books and then, mm. and then became a, a, a huge, big uh, icon. I think it's because of her popularity, because she's also the most recent addition. She must be Batman's like one of the most popular and also mm. most recent additions. So she's still in a lot of people's mind because the cartoon was in the 90s. So the character can, can't have been around that long. And I'm fairly certain I'm right about that. And, and this, this is the Come thing about her. She's certainly the most caricature out of everyone in this. And bear in mind, there was someone in this called Polka Dot Man. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And... and I, I don't know. There's just I, I don't I, I can't put my finger on what it is that I just I I don't I'm not I'm not gravitated towards like don't get me wrong I like I like Birds of Prey and if there's another one great and I'll go watch it but I'm not like oh we need that movie like it's not like whereas I don't know I'm just not no I get it I do you know what's really weird but if you remove the character from Harley Quinn from this film it wouldn't actually change the storyline mm. because she does go on her own storyline for the majority of the film and this this is the better one because it, it kind of it does give her more it, it picks up Birds of Prey yeah, and, say, and gives you a continuation of that so you do get more of her character kind of like how you know in, in Marvel the Hulk's kind of character has had to evolve over a series of films rather than a standalone because of copyright and everything but, <laughs> With this one, it certainly feels like you're getting more of the, the Harley Quinn story. And this one, they certainly, and for the better, kind of, they don't sexualize the character. She's not running around like a, a city in, in hot pants in this one. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, but the, I don't know. I, I'm, I was just watching, like, I don't know what the the big draw is with that character. Jamie, just going to put it down to popularity. I'm with you because I, I found that she was quite unnecessary in this role. I think, but do you know what? That said, 
That's a do you know what? No, she's, a she, wick, she's a wicked torture scene with, wicked. with a javelin like action sequence afterwards, which and, is fucking cool. And her action scene that she was quite clearly she did because a lot of it's single mm. shot. That was actually a very good action scene as well. So do you know what? I, I, no, I, I do get it. Her character. And weirdly, hasn't her character too popular to transcend the Suicide Squad? Because they're not going to kill Harley Quinn in the Suicide Squad. She, she's literally the biggest name there. Yeah. So it's really weird that, that the kind of James Gunn went for the lesser known characters, but, but Harley Quinn stayed. However, Harley Quinn, maybe they, they wanted to ride on that. Mm. Um, you know what, though? There you go. That was a series of noises. <laughs> um, the future. I really like what they've done. I think they've set them themselves quite well. I, you know what, I think it's kind of redeemed Idris Elba in a way because last time I saw him on a big screen, was he was oh, Hobbs and fucking Shaw and that was a disaster. Oh, yeah, Brixton. Brixton. Um, it's great to see him actually having fun in the role. He, he was very good. I think all the characters were brilliant. And you've hit the nail on the head when you said that um, he mastered an ensemble cast. Mm. No one feels left behind. Even the character of the shark, who, let's be honest, there's nothing there. It seems were fantastic. Mm. Sylvester Stallone, you know, great job voicing him. Maybe, maybe Sylvester Stallone's like defining performance. <sighs> yep, definitely, <laughs> definitely. And this is what have you remembered? For. Yeah, I mean, if he's, if he's not in Aquaman two, they've missed a fucking trick there. If William Defoe does not ride in on King Shark, <laughs> <laughs> then they've missed the trick. They have missed the trick. Oh, mate, I want to watch that now. No, you don't. No, I just struggle. Anyway, <laughs> no, don't. no, you don't want it. Fucking ask, mate. Talk about exhausting films. Like Aquaman, I still, mate, still on pause. But I'll, I'll finish it one day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, the Suicide Squad is is really good. Highly I, recommend it. Yeah, and, and also the the um, it didn't go where I thought it was going to go towards the end of the movie, but I did still very much like the end. And do you know what? There is a set piece in the middle of this movie. No, to, in no, it's not the middle. It's definitely towards the end. Actually, sorry. It's very dark, actually. There's there there is a tonal shift at one moment where a, there's a certain kind of reveal of a character, and they might have a, a their own agenda as as well. And that scene, I thought, fuck it, that's quite dark in this crazy, yeah. sarcastic kind of tongue in cheek, playful but violent movie. There's there is a scene which is very, very graphic. I was going to say that I think we're talking about the same scene, but there, there was they, you know, there's no punches pulled. Mm. It's very dark. Um, James Gunn's done it as well with the music. What a soundtrack! The soundtrack is, is good, isn't it? It's, it's although, much better. And that is a definite nod to the you know Suicide Squad, where it's like where it had this kind of it had a you know the greatest hits kind of soundtrack. This was like these are all songs that you probably haven't heard for a while, but are bangers. And it's yeah. like oh shit, yeah, these are all cool songs. I've always played a great time as well. I think I think the use of licensed music during a horrific scene, especially mm. if it's happy or be, is something that he's mastered. Ah, mm. uh, you know what? Actually, you know what a lot about this film works. Do you know what? I, I keep I've, how many times have I said do you what in a sentence? For once, I really like the costumes. I know it sounds really stupid, but the superhero costumes, they didn't look fucking stupid, like dead shots in the first one. If you look at Bloodsports, he's kind of got these kind of weird mechan uh, mechanisms where he can make different weapons because he can turn everything into a weapon. He looked pretty badass. Even, yeah. even the one like that John Cena's, because he's like the peacemaker, he's over the top. However, fits weirdly the aesthetic of the film. I think they did such a great job with the designs of the costumes. And that's something that we don't really talk about because we're used to the iconic ones. Yeah, we know what Captain America looks mm -hmm. like. We know what the Iron Man suit looks like. So to pick lesser known people, because I didn't know any of these people, their costumes stuck out quite well. Even the small things like that, they, they got right. Peacemaker's a weird character, isn't it? Like this weird reverse 
Captain America where their ideologies are the same, but their methods are make some of the best lines. Yeah, he's like, I don't care how many men, women, and children I have to kill for peace. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense. John Cena pulls it off really well, actually. Yeah. He, he does pull it off really well. Everyone, everyone really performs. I, I, I agree with you though. I, I do think the the, the standalone um, performance for me in this was uh, Ratcatcher Two. It's just so so good. Uh, Daniela Melchior, Mel, Melchior, Melchior, Melchior. Yeah, fantastic. And there's also a great movie. It's like this is Ratcatcher Two, and someone goes, "Can we not afford Ratcatcher <laughs> One?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I really like those scenes and it boils down to essentially the villain is uh, the good guy which is really great in these films because mm. uh, Viola Davis is fucking next level in this I'd pour up against Superman mate because she'd probably win <laughs> she's, yeah. she's that badass oh yeah she's way more like medicine than like Lex Luthor yeah you know she's what I mean? just like, <laughs> like fucking hell it's like- I will say as well actually what this movie and it, I feel really bad because we're talking about everything in code and it, but so if you have seen it you'll probably get this next reference there is a bit where where I, I suppose the kind of it's revealed what they're doing, yeah. you know, and I thought that was brave in a DC movie in an American, you know, made superhero movie. Like yeah. that's fucking good. Like I'm glad that they put that in there. You know, it was almost like you know because we we're saturated with you know Superman being uh, you know a, 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 America's greatest hero slash, but he's an alien. Yeah, you, you know, and, and it's got all that stuff in it. And this is like it doesn't hide away from like a real kind of horrible story and cover up. And I suppose that's about as much as I'm going to say in terms of giving, without giving anything away. But when that bit's revealed, I'm like fucking cool, good. Like I actually really like that because it's, it, 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 and oh God, I'm trying not to. No, I know what you mean. But also. It's not like when Rambo goes to Mexico <laughs> and everyone's a villain. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> but, but do you know what that event that you're talking about also leads to some of the greatest uh, character work as well. When you've mm. got other characters like that might divide. And that leads to some interesting decisions as well. That, that to my was like a catalyst of greatness. And also the speech that a certain character gives me, talk about code. That speech was a cracking speech. I was like, yeah, yeah. I was in the cinema going, yeah, good point, villain. Mm. <laughs> I'm on your side. Um, it, was, it was a great experience. However, something we must address, and this must change immediately. Sainsbury, uh, Lincoln Odeon. You, you must return the soul popcorn because it's been fucking four weeks now. Something is going on, and I'm not. I'm not here to hear about you know bloody COVID and Brexit and not being able to import stuff and soul ferries popcorn. backed up on motorways. I don't care anymore. Mate, soul popcorn. Get that sort of popcorn back in stock, or or I'm gonna have to keep buying sweet because yeah, there's it's, no it's, other cinema I can go yeah, to but you yeah. know I'm pick mad. a mix pick a mix was down to two sweets that was embarrassing <laughs> that was embarrassing like, that, I was embarrassed. tell me if I'm wrong right? I was embarrassed for you <laughs> so, so we, we talked about this off air but I'm gonna I'll put it on here for anyone listening just to end this show so you buy your confectionery <laughs> items at the front of the store, right? Do you know what, in theory, if you had everything, that would work because then by the time you get to the front, your food's there. Like, yeah. it, like that one time it worked for us. So, so, <laughs> so, this, so at the front of the store, before you get to where all the popcorn and everything is, you have to select what you want to buy. Yeah. Right? Now, I select to pick a mix because there's no salt of popcorn and it said there was no nachos in stock. Yeah, it's ridiculous, isn't it? So... I did the same thing, but I went in there. I got there just before you. No salt popcorn. Couldn't get a combo and you couldn't get a mix. I was like, I, I can't understand there's no salt. You can't have the mix. Mm. That's what I'm okay. So I go up and then I, I, I'm, I go up there and then this little lady gives me a cup with a little spoon to go get my pick and mix and there's two, two sweets in. And so there's there's about 60 trays on this wall. No. All of them empty bar two and one of them's fudge. Mate, you can't have what? You can do half fudge. That fudge 
it's probably there since before the pandemic because right. I tell you right now, no one wastes valuable pick and mix space on fudge with fudge. <laughs> no one wants a cup of fudge, James. Like no one wants that. It was like fudge and Smarties. I was like, there's no way like I'm going to get any enjoyment out of this. And then I see the guy behind the counter, there's loads of nachos. I'm like, <gasps> what the fuck is going on there? You said you got no nachos. No and he nachos. started having a go at me like, well, we have. And I'm like, I know you have. <sighs> Luckily he traded them. He let, he let me trade the... Because I was, like, I was like, no offense, but it's not really a pick and mix, is it? Like when there's two sweets. There's pick. <laughs> well, what, what I love about this is you've essentially Mad Maxed him. You've bartered. You've gone. I've got. You've gone. I've got half a bag of fudge here for nachos. I, I don't. What is the ratio of pick and mix though to be classed as pick and mix? Because technically, I suppose there's, if there's two options, you can pick. Yeah. <laughs> Does and you can if, mix. So if there was only one, you'd have no choice. <laughs> Maybe you, when you, I left, he's like, you fucking mug. <laughs> <laughs> like, I wonder how many people got caught with that. It's like, shit, we're never going to get rid of the fudge. <laughs> Do right, get it all off, get it all off. <laughs> oh, I felt so rude. I was like, I was like, no offence, bud, but like, I'm not going to get any enjoyment out of that. <laughs> first, just, but when you came and sat next to me, that's the first thing you started moaning about. <laughs> Do you know what it was, like, it was like? It was like, because like, I said to you, I'm fairly certain you said that next to me. And I said, where did the fuck did you get nachos from? Because they sold out. I was like, wait, wait, let me tell you. <laughs> I think as well, like, if I was the guy at the Odeon, I would have I would have put the fudge in one and I would have put the Smarties right at the other end. Yeah. And at the bottom, <laughs> yeah. that really pissed people off. Oh, embarrassing, man. They've got to get that stock sorted. Bring back the salt popcorn because the next time I go, which is in like a few days, I will not be We're going to go watch. What's that film that's coming out? I can't remember someone's... I've, I've got... Still Waters is be a good one. I think Still Waters is the one that we're going for. There's Old's the, the one I want to go see. The, there is... Mm, I've heard bad things about Yeah, old. but I've got to go I've got to go watch it. You've got to go There is a, another song-based one coming out about like a like a kid that's bullied and his bully kills himself and he leaves him a note or he stole something and it's like, like missed and so Amy Adams is in it okay uh, and the, my friend wants to go see that so I think that's what we're going to go see right oh cool if I could remember the name of it I would have said it <laughs> just getting very complicated but cinemas reopening they're coming back maybe and I don't mean to alarm you but maybe we'll actually have a James Bond film next month maybe 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 because it came up we were there <laughs> What was, what was he using to me? He said, I wonder if I'll have to watch the same 30 seconds of James Bond. Different four seconds, mate. The beginning. Yeah. They've learned their lesson. Feel like I know the plot, though, because I know at one point he's going to jump off a bridge <laughs> and grab the lights. I know that he's going to be at a grave, and I know that he's, his car's going to turn around and shoot people, because that's what I've seen for the last three fucking years. Yeah. No, Remy Malik's going to turn up at some point. Yeah, shoot, shoot some ice. Oh, mate. Yeah. I kind of hope I never see that film. I'm going gonna, gonna to have to go watch it just to get it done. It's like, it's like Tenant. I saw the advert for that for so fucking long. I was like, I'm just going to go watch it so I can say I've seen it. Um, that being said, talking about all these like great movies and up and coming, next week, James. <sighs> next week, do you know what? So it's time to end the trilogy. Mm. We've been doing a lot of trilogies lately. It's time, to, it's time to complete a trilogy. We did the Mortal Kombat movie back in January. We did the Street Fighter episode. Shortly after that. So there's only really one of a iconic letdown of the of the video game slash movie genre, it's time to go back, go back to a different dimension, mate. Mario Brothers. <laughs> Ironically, oh, a movie about plumbers, and this film should have been flushed. <laughs> nice, <laughs> but oh. yeah, we'll do. We're going to do Mario Brothers as like a. Uh, well, it's also your birthday, isn't it? Soon. Oh fuck you! So this is like your birthday. Fucking <laughs> tainting me with this shit. <laughs> you chose it for your birthday. That's what I'm going to say all week. <laughs> 
Uh, that's our show. So if you like it, don't forget to like, subscribe. This one's been a bit more formal. Yeah, it's like four it's, movies. Yeah. Just, just you know, no bants, no games, no quiz, just just film talk. It's all downhill for next week, mate. <laughs> so, uh, it, you know, Joel, I'd probably miss it. Shadow in the Clouds is worth a gamble. Guns Akimbo is fun, is violent, is Daniel Radcliffe being awesome. And The Suicide Squad, get out to the cinema right now and watch it. It is, uh, it's a hoot. I think everyone would like The Suicide Squad. Yeah. If, if, if you're into gore, violence and in, in that, but it's definitely a gateway for like, if someone doesn't know anything about comic books, it's very yeah. clever because like, you don't need even to. if you were a die-hard comic book fan, you'd be like, but no one knows these characters. So it's completely fine. Yeah. Um, but it is, it is, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a lesson in how to work an ensemble cast. Most definitely. Mm. MVP Ratcatcher 2. Right. For those of you later, good afternoon, good evening, good night. Goodbye.